Welcome to Scripture Bros. Um, last week we finished chapter one of Genesis, and uh, we're kind of in this whole garden narrative, seeing if there's anything more than we think. <laughs> and so far, there is. There's a lot. There's, my goodness, like I was saying last week, I think it's not just the opening story, but the blueprint of what God wanted on earth. I think it shows us a lot. And we we ended last week, I believe, talking about how there's a lot of parallels between what we were talking about in, in chapter one to the temple, to Adam and Eve's kind of identity in a way. And, and we ended uh, basically where God was finished with creation. And he said, like verse 31 in chapter one says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So chapter two picks up with the seventh day, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that's correct. Where kind he of re- like we'll God start, rests. Yeah, we'll start talking about seeing more of God, I think, here and, and kind of what he uh, desired that the human relationship would be like. And I'll let you uh, do what you want with chapter two here, <laughs> Brandon, and I'll kind of just chime in as you know, as necessary or needed or whatever. Yep. Did you love chapter two? I did. It's amazing. I, um, I used my ESV study Bible to read this. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know about you, but my study Bible has, uh, more footnotes than it does scripture per page. (laughs) Quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, uh, very helpful, uh, for me. Yes. Because there's a lot of times I'm like, wait, what, what, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, God, I need some help here. Holy spirit helper. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute yeah. too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice little, uh, segue. So yeah. Um, chapter two starts out with God resting. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So that's Genesis two, one through three. And, uh, and I've said for a long time that if God needed to rest, we should probably rest. Hmm. Um, and it doesn't say he needed to rest, but I think it's a good example of, uh, we should observe a Sabbath of some sort because it was important enough for God to do it himself. The creator of the universe holds the entire universe in his hands to rest. We should probably take a rest occasionally as commanded. Um, that's all I really got for that part. Um, so God never gets tired, right? Right. Presumably. I mean, that's what we're to understand. He has no weakness. Right. There's nothing weak. He never needs to recharge or uh, take a break or anything like that. So, I mean, if that's the case, well, let's just say he did need to rest. That opens up a God that can't do all things at all times. Right. Because sometimes you might catch him on a break. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we'll come back tomorrow. And then like, when is God's Sabbath? And like, does everything evil happen on God's Sabbath? Because he doesn't do anything and he's not working. And so... I think we we are on the same page with that. I think most Christians should probably feel that way. 
So what do you think he's resting from? Like what, what is the whole takeaway? I didn't, I didn't research the Greek here uh, to know for sure what the rest actually meant. I could do that real quick if we needed to. However, um, I kind of feel like I could just see guy like sitting in one of the, like this chair, just kick back reclining, like, Oh, look at everything good that I've done. Look at everything glorious I've created. How amazing is this? And just kind of, you know, having a little bit of pride in the handiwork that he's done. No, it doesn't say that that's pure speculative, but that's just a picture I get in my head. Like, Everything I've done is good. Look at this. Let me just chill for a minute. Let me admire my creation. I mean, we do that as people. I mean, he said it was very good. Right. I mean, if, if you're handy at all or if you do anything with your hands and you accomplish something, you kind of sit back for a second and you're like, look at, look at what I've accomplished. You take a moment of pride. I don't know. Uh, I think it's important to, to know what he said was very good. Like if we if we go back and look at Genesis one, um, everything that happened in Genesis one, he said was very good. So you've got the heavens and the earth and right. the stars and the moon and the firmament and the waters, the rain, the humans, uh, the woman, the man, the relationship of humans on earth, the dominion. They apparently were doing it well. Like the, what he had designed. God, who knows everything, <laughs> all wise, all knowing. There's not a, a clink in his armor. Is that the right? Or is it? I want to say chink, but I don't I think it's like, a chink. Is it? I think it's chink. Okay. I think clink is probably the noise it makes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I feel like chink might be a derogatory term. That's why I don't really want to say it. But is um, it chink in the armor? I don't. Here. I got my phone right here. Hey, Siri. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> she, she's <laughs> Always listening, bro. Yeah, it's chink in the armor. Okay, so the idiom chink in one's armor refers to an area of vulnerability. It has traditionally been used to refer to a weak spot in a figurative suit of armor. Okay, so there's not a chink in his armor. Right, he is <laughs> a perfect sounds... being. <laughs> bro, I can't say that and not. What? It... Okay, that's a word for something, right? I don't know. Maybe you should go to Urban. <laughs> I am not going to her dictionary. <laughs> it's, a, it's something. So anyway. That's funny. So there's not a flaw in his whole getup. Like nothing. Everything's well, he perfect. Is perfection personified. Correct. Right. He is he is perfection judged on a scale of perfection. Right. On and a scale of one to ten, he's a ten. Bro, it's like, <laughs> like there's... so the I guess what I'm trying to point at is the way that he designed it. In chapter one, he says, this is very good. I love this. That There's nothing wrong with how it is right now. This is very good. So in my mind, what he rests from was creating. I think he's done at that point. Um, now, people don't agree with this because there's a lot of people now that say they can create stuff with their words. Like, I mm. literally, literally people, and you know this, bro, and people listening to this, you've heard it. Um there's a very famous saying that says there's power of life and death in the tongue and people will take that and empower themselves to be the very thing that makes life and death. You know, if you say something long enough, you're going to create death. If you say something long enough, you're going to create life. Don't say, Oh, I think I'm coming down with the cold because you will come down with a cold. It's like that verse uh, in Proverbs, if you read it, 
uh, the verses before that really tell you what that means. And um, that scripture, there's power of life and death in the tongue, is talking about a person who uh, is in a relationship with an employer. And uh, the person has the ability to either create a good fortune for himself at work or a bad fortune for himself at work. If, if I go to work and I'm lazy and all I do is talk trash and all I do is put down the company and all I do is talk negatively, I am going to almost convince my employer, let me go. Right. That's death. Right. Um, but on the other hand, if I'm constantly uh, saying good things and bringing good fortune, I have the ability to make an impression, excuse me, an impression on my employer to where now they want to give me a promotion and they want to, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't escape the, the sovereignty of God. He's the only one that creates. Yeah. We, so it's Proverbs eighteen twenty one is the verse that you're quoting. But if we look for the context, which we've spoke about a lot on this podcast, um, uh, 20, yeah, I think it's starting high. at okay. 20. It says from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So I, it's interesting. There's a little tangent, not on Genesis, but it's okay. uh, everybody likes to stop at the comma and not the rest of the verse. Well, it's whatever they want. Right. <laughs> but if you, if you actually read this, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. But so if you read the entire verse, you're like, well, where did the fruit come from? Oh, wait, let me go back a verse from the fruit of a man's mouth. His stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. So basically it confirms exactly what you're saying is that whatever you speak is going to, it's kind of like, um, your reputation is what it's talking about with the fruit. Let me see something here. It looks like in Hebrew. This is why we can never get through a single chapter. <laughs> but this is how you're supposed to study the Bible. Yeah, right? I know. I know. You're not just supposed oh, 100%. to like, uh, think that what you think is the what it means. You got to right. people, you know, we need to do this. That's right, right. That's why we're doing this. But so I, I have a little bit of a cross reference to the word fruit in uh, I Proverbs like it, 18. Fruit is spoken of quite a bit in the Bible. Yeah. Well, in this reference, they're saying it could also mean speech. Um. I take this to be like a pompous kind of, I love to hear myself talk. I'm so wise in my own eyes, bro. I'm so witty. I'm so great in my own eyes. I am satisfied just hearing me talk. Right. That to me is, is the impression I get from this. It's like the person who loves himself will be satisfied with the things he says. <laughs> but the person who is understanding of his depravity will not like the things he say and right. only want to say what God says. This much, is much like so the much psalmist himself, yeah. David, who is like, uh, repulsed by his own sin. Dude. Um, I just, the point I'm trying to make is, uh, it's, it's, uh, situations like this where I have to be like, okay, let's pump the brakes because by taking that verse out of context, in certain situations, no big deal. Like the way that you interpreted it, um, where, you know, even the way that I interpreted it, 
technically may not be a hundred percent right, but it doesn't, it doesn't retract from the meaning. Right. You feel me? Yeah. But if someone's going to say that this verse means you can create life with your words and create death with your words, I'd like to say under what basis? Yeah. Under what basis? I would agree with that. These are the same people who, if a door's locked, they walk around to the other side. Why not just tell that lock to break? (laughs) Are we not practical anymore? Or stop wearing your glasses because you... (laughs) I can see now. Are we not practical anymore? It's like, how can on, like the truth has to be true all the way around. We can't say in one hand, I create things with my words and kill things with my words. But on the other hand, well, in that situation right there, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I'm sorry. So what's true? I'd venture to say there's a lot of people who take the end of, or the beginning of chapter two and say, this was when God quit creating. Now, it doesn't mean that he's absent or that he is oh, no. or out of or, or not working or not doing things. We see him in the Old Testament constantly like rebuking and, and blessing and coming to the aid and, and torching enemies and things like that. And he sends his son and he's definitely not dead for sure. But there's a lot of people who say um, there's no more new God things. He rested. From what? Well, I think from the plan that he initiated. Now, I, I don't, I'm not saying that's me 100%. I don't know. I am, I'm not a scholar in that, well, in any field really, but especially this. <laughs> are you kidding me? Um, I don't know enough to say yes or no, but I'm just telling you I've heard, I've heard people use he rested, not nearly in a way of he took a nap or he chilled out and, you know, had a latte or, or, <laughs> Something like that. No, I, I've heard it many times say he went into a permanent Sabbath. He was very happy with everything he had created. No need to do anything else. He was done. Hmm. I mean. It's an interesting perspective because the very next, the start of verse four says the creation of man and woman. Yeah, I remember I was telling you about. <laughs> Do you remember I was telling you about, uh, before we started recording, I was like, Hey, did you like chapter two? And you're like, <laughs> loved it. And I'm like, okay, there's a gigantic controversy in here. A gi- a gigantic controversy starting in verse four that shapes a couple different schools of thoughts. There's one school of thought that says chapter two and three are, are a micro a micro look into the macro of chapter one. A lot of people think chapter one is a high level overview. This is what God did. They got man and woman. They've got humans. They've got all that stuff. Yeah. Because in one, he mentions creating man and woman. That's right. Right. And then a lot of people think chapter two, the author just kind of dials in to the nitty gritty. Like a zoom in. To a the, zoom yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's also another way to look at it. So you have camp number one that's like big view, small view. And then you have another camp, which I'll be honest with you, I kind of am in this camp, okay? (laughs) And I might explain why people think I'm weird. But, and you know... I I don't know if that's going to do it. (laughs) You don't, you know, you don't have to agree with this. You can can rebuke me if you want. I'm open to it. I'm always liking to learn if if I'm wrong or not. But I, I think that when it starts here with, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. 
Um, they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth in the heavens. Okay, now that opening phrase. No, but okay, yeah. go ahead. I'll let you. I don't want to cut you off, but to That's me, okay. to me, that sounds like, hey, we're gonna talk about what happened in chapter one. Like, to me, that says, okay, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth. Well, it already we already know that God created the heavens and earth on That's right. know, day two or whatever day it was. I don't remember off the top of my head. And then, it, and there's a comma, which there was no punctuation when this was written, let's be honest. However, reading it in an English language, there's a comma there, which means we stop. And then it says, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, which to me is saying, we're talking about day, I want to know now, whatever day it was. Are you on verse five? Yes. Was it three? So, so we got the two great lights. Yeah. Okay. So the second day, God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. He called seas and God saw it was good. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit, trees bearing Da, 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 da. And it was so the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, trees bearing fruit. Uh, and there was evening and morning on the third day. So that's the third day. So let's let's go back into two. So God rested and then we have. So God created heavens and earth and there was no plants on the earth until the end of the third day. Now, five says when no bush of the no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up okay so for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground right so that is in that to me would say we're in between day three and four in this part of the story okay does that make sense yeah do you, do you follow me what yeah. i'm saying because I, I obviously it you know, and we didn't record last week, so I read this again this afternoon, and I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of duplicity here, but God is p perfect and all-knowing. Why is there duplicity? Exactly. And so that is what led me to be like, okay, I think I might be in the first camp where this is a zoomed-in type of... Bro, it's... If, I mean, it, it looks like popular. we're just it looks like we're just referencing what happened on day two and three. Okay. So I'm going to stop here okay. and I want to hear your camp. Okay. <laughs> because now, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not committing your, your partial camp. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the camp of whatever is right. You know, depending on the audience. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah, of course. I believe that. Dude, I need a shirt that says right, right. I keep right, hearing right. my, I hear myself say that when I, when I edit these, Yeah. I'm all like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you got little taglines. Okay. So I understand that. I do. I see that. I also see a couple things that is just interesting. Number one, um, it doesn't quite go very good, like he says. So, end scene, when God rests, very good. Oh, I, I see where you're he going. He ended on a very good. Right. Chapter two, chapter three, is not very good. <laughs> no. So how could it fall in between the Correct. very good? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Correct. So that's one thing that people are like, Interesting. Um, the other thing that people are like is uh, the fact that 
in chapter 2, uh, there seems to be a an out-of-order um, presentation, whereas at the beginning it was do-do-do-do-do, right, all kind of thing, and then you start to see in chapter 3 that the 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 tree or the shrubs wouldn't grow or there was no bush of the field because there's no rain yet no small plant but rain's not even in the creation where is i mean there's and like i said this isn't salvation related but it's interesting it's very interesting day day one in the beginning or yeah light was created first day sky second day Third, dry land, seas, plants, and trees were created. So somehow in between second day and third day, was there rain? Was there a mist? Was there something that needed to be misted? Why would a very good creation rely on this thing to help it? So you start to see, in my opinion, little breakdowns of what was called very good. And the reason why that is interesting is because... If that's true, what I think is being displayed in chapter 2, verse 4, is the same heading that's given to Adam, Moses, Noah, all of the great early fathers. And it starts off like this. And these were the generations of so-and-so. And these were the generations of so-and-so. You can look all through Genesis, and it's got Noah, Seth, Adam, Moses, all of the all of the people get that introduction. And it seems as though if you kind of look at this in a detailed approach, what you might get is the opening scene to how it really happened. You have chapter one, the plan, and you have chapter two and forward, the result. (laughs) And it's all chaos. Yeah, look look at what these creations have done. (laughs) It's all chaos. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. They're in union. They have dominion. They blah, blah, blah. And then a serpent comes in and snatches a wife. Oh man. And then man, like it's chaos. It's complete chaos. And my question is, where does that fit into the very good? So I'm not saying. I I see your argument. I I wouldn't even call it an argument. I would just say, I see the, I see the viewpoint. Um, And some might say, well, why is that important? You know? Maybe it's not, but the way that I look at scripture, this starts the cycle, right? The Um, cyclical, I would say it's important because so let's venture down the path that you presented. Okay. Chapter one is the plan. Chapter two is reality. Chapter two, four. Yes. That's that's what you're saying. Because verse three, we have to keep in mind. So God blessed the seventh day, right? Made it holy because on it, he rested from all his work. He had done. Do you know what um, rest in the Hebrew is? The word rest is uh, Shabbat. (laughs) Makes sense. And it's Shalom. It's those Shabbat Shalom is like a peaceful rest. And God entered into that at the end of his creation. And we also have to remember this was written by what a lot of people think was Moses and a supernatural divine, you know, type of way through the Holy Spirit inspiration and it was like 500 years later so he was just writing he wasn't there he wasn't in the garden he was just writing like whatever the Holy Spirit told him and you also have to keep in mind this was written in poetry this this right. wasn't a narrative yeah Frank Turk talks about that yeah. you have to de- you have to 
decipher what you're actually reading. Is it poetry? Yes. Is it history? Yeah. He's got two other categories. That I can't remember yeah. what so he uses. The early people and that were from this era, they wrote mainly in pictures. Right. So they would draw scenery to explain what they were trying to get. What a beautiful scene. Right. To draw. A garden. I just got this picture in my head. That of, comes in. Yeah, I just got this picture in my head of like a, a kid's play. Yeah. Where like here comes the bush yes. and the sun drops in and yeah. you're like, man, that is so cool. It looks right. so good. And, and then like, the kids show up and yeah. they ruin it because yeah. they're all singing out of exactly. sync and they're like and tripping over the serpent in the background. It's like, dun, 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 right? <laughs> right. The great entrance. Right. And, and bro, there's a lot of evidence that shows the poetic form that it was written in poetry pictures imagery the images of the tree the snake the serpent the no clothes then the clothes the animal skin the leaves like there's so much the thorns it's all too perfect right um and it and it all there's so much that just shows itself over and over and over again that's why to me i would never fight anyone on the origin and what it means and all that stuff. However, it helps my understanding of scripture in a huge way. Because if you look at Adam and Seth and Noah and Abraham and Moses, this is this story. Right. Over. Over and, and over and over, over again. And over again. So anyway, those are the two thoughts. Those are the two camps on early creation. Again, uh, my perspective is not a spine issue, not a salvation issue. Read into it how you want. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> to your point, though, uh, the the kind of off camp or off choice camp, I guess. Um, I think it, if you look at it that way, it shows the character of God and what He has designed. Yes. And a, the opposition of that yeah. designation. What humans do. Right. On their own. Right. Trash. Right. <laughs> Yeah, bro. So I, I kind of get behind, I could kind of stand behind both camps in a way. That's cool. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I don't know if we mentioned last week, but it's just coming to my mind. If we jump back to chapter one real quick in between chapter one and, or verse one and two, excuse me. Um, have you ever heard this theory? Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Have you ever heard of the gap theory by chance? No. Okay. Uh, this is very this is very crazy. Is this out there? It's I mean, I think it I think it's possible, but they basically say in between one and two, there's a unlimited amount of time between those verses. So oh. if in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. He created it. Who knows how long ago? Right. Who knows? So 14 people that, billion years, it could 6, be 6,000 years. Yes. Yeah, so you have a lot of theologians that are like, bro, I'm not going to fight you on the time of the earth. Yeah. Who, who cares? There's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anything. It no. doesn't change anything at all. So this is called the gap theory. They think that's when, which I think Ezekiel points to this in a little bit, because this is when they say this gap right here. I mean, just think about this. Lucifer is in heaven, second in command, getting the praises, giving some to God, keeping some, giving some to God, love and life. And then he sees God create this earth. And he's like, what are they doing? What's he doing with that? 
And then all of a sudden, you see this revolt, and he gets kicked out down to earth. And that's what Ezekiel says, I saw him fall like lightning. They think that it happened there, in between the gap of one and two. Hmm. It's just interesting. That is interesting. I like it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That doesn't say it was bad. It could have been beautiful. It could have been perfect. And then Satan got shot down to it and ruined it. And then God had to send the Holy Spirit to fix it. I don't know. We're getting off to like a, a wild man's land, but right. that's the stuff that's out there, bro. Yeah. No, I mean. That's the stuff that's out there. There's nothing in scripture that says that that is incorrect. So I have no argument against it. Yeah. Or correct. Or correct. So, so. I wouldn't stand on it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't make it part of your salvation story, but. No. It's, it's not at all. It's definitely interesting. So do you have any other like uh, tidbits in chapter two that, because I believe I've used most of our time. I apologize about that. But do you see yeah. anything in here that you wanted to like bring up? Um, do you like the man from the dust? Does that stand out or mean anything to you in particularly? Not particularly. Do you have something here? Cause sure. I know yeah. you do. That's why you yeah. pointed it out. Um, well, I'm just thinking of things that I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So the dust thing is interesting because as we'll see moving forward, Adam, the human, um, see right here, it's singular. Oh. Singular. The woman has not been created. Right. There is. But in chapter I did, one. I did want to make mention in uh, verse five at the end. Yeah. It says, and there was no man to work the ground. Yeah. So work has always been a part of God's plan. Let me real quick. Let me see if that is Isabon. Uh, let me see what. I believe it is. Hebrew word that is. I believe. Is there's like Eseb and there's yeah, uh, Isabon. One means toil. Right. And one means like pleasantly right. work, you know, like. And. The one for toil is not used until after the fall, which I speak on this to people all the time, even though I don't heed my own advice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's, I have days where I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Can I please just be done with this? I feel you. <laughs> um, but so this word, it is, it is a word for work, but it's more of like cultivate. It's right. like uh, to subdue or, or to like, Take under control. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to be in dominion. Yeah. Um, but before the fall, there's, I think there's another mention where he says, yeah, yeah, and 15, I'm skipping some obviously because we have a lot of this like, this is where Eden is at and the tree yeah. of life was in the garden, tree of knowledge and good and evil and Adam didn't even care. He was like, I'm just hanging out, chilling with all these animals. I got... Now, and here's another thing that probably falls into this gap theory is we have no clue how long it took for Adam to name everything. True. So it could have been however many years that, you know, 10,000 years that Adam's like naming, oh, here's a lion, here's a lioness, or whatever word he used in whatever language, you know, Adam spoke. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of consonants. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's choking every time he talks. But uh, in 15, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That's correct. And keep it means to uh, 
control it. Yes. Like maintain it and have dominion over. And, but this work is the work that is not unpleasant. Okay. So do you think that, cause somewhere else it says rule and subdue. No, I believe it's after Eve is created. Uh, man gave me okay, so color. 15, I still see cultivate and tend. Let me okay. see. It might have been after the curse. After the curse, um, remember the Lord says to Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will work right. the land. Right, and that when the Lord curses Adam, he says, out of the sweat of your brow. It goes from like... A blessing to a curse. Right. You know? It goes from um, I'm serving my master who I love and have perfect harmony with yeah. to I hate this. This is breaking my body down. So this toil toil. Correct. So this is like, man, if you. Jeez, we might have to make this two parts, to be honest with you, because <laughs> there's, there's a ton here after we get past this. Stuff. Bro, right. Like. The breath into the not the breath of life the, the pneuma the pneuma, which is uh, if you look in the Greek, um, is pneuma Greek? I think this might be. I think pneuma is Greek. I think you are correct. So we've got verse seven. Uh, pneuma is an ancient Greek word for breath and in a religious context for spirit or soul. Right. So the thing that is interesting about this, okay. It's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the new creation that the Lord has just made before Jesus is on the scene. Right. Okay. So, but we're still in perfect harmony at this point in yes. the story. Adam is still in perfect harmony with God. Yes. And, his Presumably creation. why Jesus is called the second Adam. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. So his creation is his representative. And his representatives have his breath. Like the breath is so important because it tra it's like a spirit transfer. Like it, think about a, a body just inanimate. You know, like a friend said to me the other day, um, dead bodies can't sin. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> I said, okay, there's, there's a lot of different levels to that, but yeah. yes, <laughs> I said, okay. And he was like, so, um, the, the breath is so important because it animates everything and it allows us to sin. Just, just the normal human breath allows us to be alive without breath dead. I mean, that is the thing. Um, so w in the context of the, the spiritual breath, the, the breath of God himself, it not only made the inanimate object alive, but it also made the inanimate object his son, like his his relation. Right. It went from just a flesh it was dust a, bag. It was a part of him. Correct. Yeah. So when it was created, he was he was out of dust. That's not God's image. Mm -mm. God's not made out of dust. Um, that's why that dust part is so important. I think it's in verse five because you see that Adam was made from the place. He was created like he was dust because he wasn't even in the garden yet. Right. Just to be in the garden was an upgrade for him because <laughs> he was a man of dust. Right. So you see all of these things at funerals and what have you. And it says from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. People say that so flippantly. 
And they, it's just a saying that people say at funerals. But it's this. We are all just dust. That's all we are. We're just a... We're just made out of all these tiny little things. And um, not that I don't know if we're actually physically dust. I'm not saying that. But I think what the symbology here is we come from nothing, bro. We come from nothing. And when the Lord allows us in the garden, we should feel absolutely blessed to be there. <laughs> right. And when the Lord gives us his breath and we become his children, we should be absolutely blessed to be that. Not demanding and, and doing all these things. Like um, I hear people, it's Amen. like, we don't have to beg anymore. We're, we're God's children. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. I get it. Um, but do you just tell your dad what to do? Like we use the word children. We use the word children as like, it's I'm some trying kind not of to e laugh because yeah. like, like children does not mean equality. Right. But and we're not, you equal hear to Jesus so many either. people that are like, uh, I can't even come up with a good example, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, we are children of God. We do have access to him and he, he can do anything. So we cling to him for everything. But the moment I start saying I'm his child, so I'm equal to Jesus, bro, get me out of this place. Whoever, wherever I'm at, whoever says that I'm gone because just because you are a son of God doesn't mean you are the son of God. 100% on bro, that. There's, there's this guy. And I won't say any names, but he's in he's in the Western Hemisphere of the United States, and um, he preaches this theology called Little God theology. Little God with a little G, so it's it's safe, you know. It's all cute mm. because he doesn't put the big G, you know. That would be sacrilegious, but the little G is okay. So we're little G's. Is we're little G's. Is that his That's teaching? His thing. Mm. Yes, we're because we're co-heirs with Christ. We are now little gods. So now we can say and do things that little gods can do, bro. It's Paul teaches the exact opposite though. It's uh, <laughs> well that that same person, camp I should say, tells you that if something you hear from God, um, overrides something that Paul says, what you hear is more important than what Paul said. Hundred percent, swear to you, bro. Wow, I'm not. I can pull it up right now. What you hear from God is more important than what is in the Bible. Hmm. And um. I have a big problem with that. I'm not sure that they understand the filters their their thoughts get passed through. Because mine, whew, I hear a lot Terrible. of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear a lot of stuff, dude. I've been fighting all day with people because I'm just <laughs> in a bad mood. Well, because you can't hear people. Yeah. <laughs> so if I just go around saying all these thoughts I have are God, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. Right. I am the, the Bible. Right. That's the problem. Sheesh. That's why it's so important to... But, do okay, this, bro. So let's talk about this for a second, because I think this is a big problem and a lot of huge problem. It, it, yes, I agree. Huge problem. But at what point or who can argue with you if you're saying I'm hearing from the voice? No of God? one. Nobody. Right. No one. So now you're the Unless, most powerful being in your circle. Well, what if there's 30 of them? Right. So now so there how becomes does that a, work? There's a hierarchy. Just, right. Yes. And that's yes, that's unbiblical as well. Yeah. I don't understand it. Exactly. And it's. It's just like if um, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, so, and forgive me, <clears throat> if you and I are sitting here and I'm like, oh man, I got a spirit of discernment and uh, my spirit of discernment is telling me that you're in the wrong. 
Well, you, you can't argue with me at that point. Unless my spirit of Unless your spirit of discernment <laughs> says that I'm wrong. And then how does that, like, how do you come to any type of conclusion? I know. You need the Bible. Right. But you think that you're better than the Bible at exactly. this point. So it's a uh, mess. It's a complete disaster. It is. Um, it, it gives someone a lot of uh, leeway to do whatever they want. I mean, you can but literally. That's, fair to, that's not unfair. I mean, that's unfair to everyone around them. Yeah. It breaks and I don't unity. Think, yeah. And I don't think yeah. the Bible teaches unfairness. No, it breaks unity. And um, there's a huge component of pride. And uh, I'm not going to say I personally know anyone who thinks like this. But um, I'm going to say that it's, man, just, just remember where you came from. Right. Just dust. Dust, <laughs> dust yeah. in the wind. Think about where Shout you out, were Kansas. when Christ found you, and you're no different. You just have someone that's pleading your you case. You have an now. advocate for yeah. you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, be thankful. Right. Don't be, you're not, just because you you're. You are the guilty murderer. And you have the best attorney in the world. Bro, no no <laughs> cap. A co-heir does not mean equality. It doesn't. A co-heir does not mean I'm equal to Jesus. Uh, it just means that I get to go to a place where he's at, man. And um, that's not fair. Like, I don't deserve that. Right. No, so, thank you, not Jesus. Fair at all. Right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We get to go to, we get to, go to this place, man, that's perfect. And... Uh, are you going to say this again? We're gonna Am I going to start no. crying on, We're gonna on camera? <laughs> We're an heir to the throne. We're not going to be sitting on the what throne. What did the kids say now? That you, last night you shooketh me? <laughs> <laughs> Thou shooketh me. <laughs> but, well, bro, that was, uh, man, how long has it been? We're not even through two yet. <laughs> Jeez. We were joking about not being able to get to three. <laughs> so I think the last thing I'd like to say is... <clears throat> When we, you know what, I don't think I want to keep going into, uh, uh, I'd like to mention that the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. So the goal was to live forever there. <laughs> like the goal was, no wonder God was very pleased because that's yeah. how it's supposed to go forever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's in three. Yeah. It's in chapter three that, um. God mentions that. I don't want to, I hate to jump over there, but yeah, um, I think it's important because uh, where's that? I'm trying to find the verse because I just read it. Um, yeah, okay. So in chapter 3, verse 22, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Correct. That's why I kicked him So out. his plan yeah. was for his creation to live yeah. forever. Exactly. And, and yeah. we ruined it, as uh, often we do. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people, Not I don't know about a lot, but there's, there's people that I've heard say the fact that the tree of life was in the garden meant that these beings weren't fully glorified by uh, how we will be in heaven because in heaven we'll live for eternity. However, I have a little, uh, I have a little issue with that. And the issue with that is also in heaven, there's a tree of life. 
you know. Right. It's, so, it's, yeah. I think that this, bro, if you think about the tree of life, if you think about the bliss, if you think about the animals, everything's in perfect order. I think this is what heaven is like. Right. I agree with you. I really do. This I, is the glimpse. Yeah. I think that, that God, God has given us to say, this is where you're supposed to be. Yes. This is what you want to get back to. This is the life I will offer you. And at some point, when you come to Christ and you are dead and he, you remember when Jesus blew on his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit? In Acts? Yeah. Um, that is a... Direct correlation. Yes. yes. So now this new creation is here. Right. And they now have the breath of Jesus. Whew, dude, it's, it's all here. Mm. It's all here. The temple, the garden, the river that flows. If you read Revelations, I think it's 21, it talks about the river that flows from the throne of God. And here we have a river that flows out of the garden. And it's set on the on a hill in the east. And so is the temples from Leviticus. And there's too much, man. There's too much. And for my whole life, I just read this as like, ugh, I don't want to read Genesis. <laughs> so old. I just want to read the New Testament. Show me the powerful things. And this is... Give me the power of the life and death in the tongue. This is insane. So, uh, lastly, um, when you look at verse 12, and the gold of that land is good, bdellium and onyx stone are there. Uh, that is so passed over, but those stones were actually in the, the, the breastplate of the priest for the high priest who would do the sacrifices. Um, it's insane how much information is here um, east of Assyria like it pretty much gives you a lot of people think this was like in the Iraq area right Turkey Iraq something like that pretty sure it's Iraq um, yeah. um. so anyway that's about because when we start getting into the uh, knowledge of good and evil and the communication that God gave Adam I think it's very important that we take our time with that because you have to pay attention to what was said at the beginning and then you have to understand what was said later to see exactly what happened. And I don't know if we have time for all that. So depending on what you want to do, I'm cool with leaving it at verse 14. Yeah, we can finish. Uh, pick it up we at can 15. do part two and pick up at 15 where the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Unless you think we have time to go over it. I think we could probably cover it here we go 18 let's check then god said it is not good well he said in chapter one that everything was very good and now he's saying things are not good bro man's been on the scene for two seconds and he's like that this isn't good yeah i mean <laughs> but i'm saying he didn't say that in genesis one mm -mm. everything was good the creation the man the woman woman isn't even here <clears throat> yet mm-hmm now, you could split hairs on that. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, he's saying it's not good for the man to be alone. Um, I do think it's important, like you said, 16 through 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. 
it's a big and one. as we've read this or know the rest of the story he doesn't have a physical death um some people say both <laughs> really how did he get sent out of the garden if he had a physical death because he was meant to live forever so it started his death mm. you see yeah um, well I, I say all the time the number one cause of death is life so <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> so we see that um everything just goes bad you know and yeah so you have the you have the huge separation and as a matter of fact um if i'm not mistaken adam and eve kind of share the spirit of god he doesn't necessarily take that from them but he kicks no, because, them out of the garden right right so now they don't have communion with him right and even when they have uh uh cain and abel eve gives thanks to god for her son so you know they still have that kind of understanding they remember oh my gosh what did we do you know I'm sorry, Lord. Thank you for everything you've ever given me. But then it starts to go into a little bit further into the story of uh, Adam and Eve. And it says, Adam started bearing children and they started bearing children in their own image. So it goes now from them being made in God's image to now humans are made in their own image. And you see a sharp decline. <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> Perfection, trash. Yeah. yeah. The graph goes straight down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. This is deep stuff. Now, why don't you think that God wanted them to have knowledge of good and evil? Because um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Solomon asked for knowledge, and God was so pleased that he gave him everything because now he knew how to rightly deal with it. Knowledge was seen like a good thing to ask for. Why is it like, why was he trying to prevent them from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That doesn't, that never really made sense to me. You know, that's kind of like folklore. We just accept it, but I don't accept that. Like, right. right. I try and figure stuff out. Uh, without a deep dive into this, have you done a deep dive into this? Oh yeah. And you know, the answer to this question, is this a rhetorical question for you? No. Okay. I don't know the answer. Okay. I know like what I think to be true. Which I'm happy to share, but like um, I said, I I was in the first three chapters of this for six months. Right. Every word means something to me. <laughs> I love that, by the way. Um, I kind of look at it almost in the maybe the same way that we would look at our children today. And you can correct me because we live in a fallen world. Uh, they were commune, community, community in paradismo, paradise. paradise. Yeah. So uh, maybe evil wasn't an issue. However, uh, if I am a father of two two daughters, and if I don't want my daughter to know that murder is a thing. I'm not just going to come out and tell her about it or show her some graphic movie that depicts murder. You know, I want to keep her naive to it as long as possible. Now, at some point in her life, she's going to learn that 
humans kill each other. Yes. Um, but only at the mature age that is acceptable for her. Yeah. Now, in my opinion, God just created Adam and Eve at this point in the story. And they're not ready to understand evil. They don't even understand good at this point. They don't. I have heard, and you can correct me again if I'm wrong, but Adam and Eve were so naive. They didn't know that good or evil existed. They just knew him. Him. Yeah. That was it. Correct. They had no. And God knew what was good, right? And God knew what evil was. And He did not want them at that time to know what that was. And in God's perfect presence, there's no condemnation, no shame, no fear, no none of that. Amen. And so in order to have those, you have to have evil. Yeah. Or, as some people put it, lack of good, which is lack of God. Um, and so at, oh, that just hit me kind of hard. If they knew evil, they would know what it was like to be away from God, and he didn't want that. Mm. He wanted perfect community. He did. Which separation of God is what creates evil, because he is pure good. So for them to know what evil was would be to know to be separated from him, and he wanted pure community and nothing but love and adoration. I feel like you're uh, preparing a sermon. (laughs) But do you know good? <laughs> I think there's a lot of value in that, for sure. I've heard I've heard many different takes on this. So I I have what I believe, and uh, to me it makes the most sense with my the way I think and my life experiences and stuff like that, and just the themes of scripture. It seems to make more sense. Um, I'll tell you one of them that was that's very interesting, that. Um, I'm not sure I'm on board with, but I thought about it for a long time. Um, this guy named Tim Mackey, Bible Project, love him, bro. Shout out to Tim. Yo, I could so good. I could hang out with that guy. No I mean, doubt. He seems he seems nerdy, and he's self-confessed nerd. So right. that's not a nerdy in a biblical way. Yeah, he calls <laughs> that's himself such a, a, thing. a Bible nerd. <laughs> Bible nerd. Got yeah. you, bro. Same he's Same, yeah. Um, but he's you know, he's. He's aware of all the different possibilities. And what he does is he reasons the ones that seem to make sense. And then he chooses one and he holds it loosely. Uh, Mike Winger talks about this too. Like, I have this view, but it's a loose hold. Like, I'm willing to change if I can hear a better argument for it. But as of now, this is where I am. That's, that's kind of how I feel right now about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Tim Mackey, he says that... Um, the reason why he did not want them to take the tree or the fruit of the tree of, of good, excuse me, of knowledge of good and evil is because uh, they, to your point, they didn't know anything at that point. They just knew this. And uh, if they were to consume that, um, it's not really the fruit that gave them special power to have knowledge of good and evil. It's their rebellion showed them what evil was, which now opened their eyes to good. So now their shame of what they just rebelled against brought them condemnation, similar to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, okay, I get that. I agree to to my my particular point of view might be a little bit more fine-tuned. 
just so when I study, I can see things through a certain lens and then change it if I need to. But the way I see it is um, it's not that knowledge is a bad thing. You right. know? It's not that knowledge is a, is a bad thing necessarily. No, because a perfect example of that is when you're a child, you see this red glowing thing in your kitchen. Yeah. You don't have the knowledge that that's bad or good. Right. You just see it and touch it. Yeah. Now you know, oh, that's bad because I hurt. Yeah. You didn't have that knowledge before that experience. Right. That That's an example of knowledge. Correct. Not being bad. Yeah. And do you even need knowledge if there's no danger? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. If it's perfect, what do you need to think about exactly. at all? Our thoughts seem to just kind of process what's right and what's wrong and is this good? Is this bad? Do I want this? Do I not want this? Well, that, none of that stuff really existed. I think it's just all perfect. So anyway, um, I, I see definitely merit and all that stuff. The way I kind of look at it is when they rebelled and let me back up just for a second. When this struck me, it was because I was reading just right after this where God says, who told you you were naked? And that's always been weird to me. Like, who told you you were naked? Like, I don't understand. And it's almost like God was saying to them, you would have no idea you were naked unless someone told you. Right. Now, he knows all things. It was rhetorical. <clears throat> who told you that? It's just like the questions Jesus asks. He knows the answers before right. he even asks. <laughs> right. So to me, it kind of it kind of like blew up in my mind com- comparing what Tim Mackey was saying and some other things. Like, it wasn't that knowledge was the issue necessarily. It was that, now they were going to make decisions based on what they thought was good and evil. They no longer, they no longer uh, judged everything off of what God gave them. Now everything they looked at, they had a filter. Is that right and is that wrong? This is where I believe human wisdom first came into play. And it's been destroying people <laughs> since then. Well, I think this and I think that. Well, I don't think that's wrong. I think this is right. Well, I think you shouldn't do that and I shouldn't do that. It all comes down to human wisdom. But if we would just all reside on the words of God, like they did in the garden, he would come down to commune with them. Hey, Adam. Hey, Eve. How you doing? Just want to check in on you. Everything good? Like, not that they would say good at this point, but <laughs> but the point I'm saying is like, if we just all relied on him, we wouldn't have to make so many human decisions ourselves. Our human wisdom would be minimal. But now, because we rebel from him, we do all these things based on what we think, and most of the times it's wrong. So I think the human wisdom element. Because we're not walking in the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) You see how it's all like, it's all kind of, yes, exactly, bro. It it all gels. Um, It all fits. You just got to figure out what's edge pieces and what's what's corner pieces. And that's kind of the life of a a theologian, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, man, I think human wisdom spawns from this, this debauchery. A snake, do this, you do it. Now you've just thought what is good. You've just done what is good. It was actually God's standard of bad. So now you have your own idea of what's good and evil. And the first decision you made was wrong. (laughs) Like, good luck, bro. Good luck. (laughs) The very first decision decision was was wrong. wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Life's going to be rough for you guys. See you in 900 years. Yeah, and that's us, <laughs> and we're blind to that. Right. Your decisions are wrong right. most of the time. Do what God says, not what you think. But that would mean I'd read my Bible more and pray more. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. 
but I don't want to, well, then you've never met him. Mm, amen. Because I don't think of much else I want to do than God. <laughs> you got anything else? What else can I learn about you? It's so amazing. So anyway, bro. Okay, you want to... It's so funny how I continually catch myself just like... For the longest time, I used to think I talked to myself. And now I realize that was my soul reaching out for God, yeah. just trying, Father. yeah, just trying <laughs> to communicate. Yeah. And my humanly brain side is like, oh, this guy doesn't exist. And my soul is like, come on, yeah, please just see the truth for real. <clears throat> yeah, and man. now I have these conversations and I'm like, hey, um, Heavenly Father, <laughs> can, we ch- can we chat for like <laughs> exactly all day, <laughs> all day? Um, okay, so we kind of went through that stuff, and the next conversation is going to be the wife, or the spouse, or the mm-hmm. the helpmate, um, and then we'll get into chapter three. So you want to like next time, finish chapter two, and then start the the deception. Yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah, because uh, I think we're about an hour. Yeah, and uh, like you said, it rapidly declines. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very quickly every page of the book is <laughs> something else human wisdom gone wrong <laughs> one wrong decision after the first wrong decision exactly <laughs> well maybe i can make another wrong decision to make up for that wrong <laughs> not at all it's all bad we need a savior we need a savior man thank mm. god uh he sent one amen we created the problem he sent the solution <laughs> that's wild dude that's wild and that's what we're supposed to do for people that's forgiveness. It's like, okay, I know. I know because of a certain maturity level that I have, you're an idiot. I know that. <laughs> However, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm going to love you, I know that you until can't you help figure it, it out. Right, yeah, yeah, you can't help I, it. You can't help it. And that's what he did for us. Y'all can't help it. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. Bro, that's always been just so cliche. But man. Mm-hmm. It's so much about, more than that. Whew. That could be a whole episode in itself. Yeah. I wish I could. I mean... I wish I could learn that in Hebrew. Adonai. It's a it's a, t- a tough one. Yeah. Because oh, I think it's uh I think he talks. I think he says that because I think he spoke Aramaic, but everything was written in Greek because it had been. Actually, if you're going to be there Sunday, this is part of my sermon. Uh, Alexander the Great had just conquered everything, bro. Right. Everything he conquered everything in the 300s BC, and it was a very long lasting. Um, sway as a matter of fact like um, if you go to certain parts of spain i believe in italy there's still greek uh, little cities within inside of spain his just his empire it reached uh vastly so during that time uh it was the romans ruled but it was still heavily influenced by greek as a matter of fact the greek was like the the english of that day right everyone spoke greek so everybody that was the only way to do business and everything yeah so you had to know your common language between your friends you were born with yeah jewish or hebrew or aramaic and then you had to know greek so you could trade and work and stuff like that and then italian because romans came and it was it was crazy though it was crazy that that little epicenter of the world jerusalem and um when you just like bro can someone just be logistic here or logical just reason with me if it's not about the bible why does everything start in israel it's <laughs> a great question it can be traced back to the origins of humans is the middle east well there's also a bible who says that's true 
or a manuscript, I should say. Like, why is it so hard to believe this? Um, oh, shout out Mike Winger. You mentioned him earlier, but yeah. he addressed this in a video he recently released about atheists. Oh, yeah? And he's like, I don't, I'm not trying to upset atheists was the title of the video. And I yeah. was like, oh, I got to listen to this. Yeah. Scholar needs to listen to it, too. <laughs> yeah. You will. Turn your comments off. <laughs> but he was just basically saying that um, if he, don't come after me if I get this paraphrasing wrong, but he was basically saying <clears throat> that if atheists can live in this world and not see God in nature, then there's no way they're going to see him in the Bible. No kidding, man. That's what Paul says. And that there's no way they're, that the scales, like it's, it will take an act of God to remove the scales from their eyes. That's it, bro. That reminds me of Paul on his journey. Something like scales came off his eyes, he said. And whether that's literal or not, I see it figuratively in a lot of ways because I do too. that's what happens with us. We start to see spiritually and like behind the scenes almost. You're like, whoa, <laughs> what the heck? And they say that he was blinded and that he his life changed not because of what Jesus said to him, but because Jesus came back in his glorified body and the light was so bright. Can you imagine? You remember when uh, and Mark uh, did a site or a couple of disciples, James and John, uh, Peter, James and John, I believe, went up with him and Jesus transfigured in front of him. And it said his face was like an angel and as white as snow. The only words we can think of, but... That Jesus was a heavenly being. Can you imagine what that must look like to earthly eyes? It would blind someone. Inconceivable. 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 Shout out the the Princess uh, Bride. Princess Bride. <laughs> Clearly, I can't pick the cup in front of me. Um, <laughs> I'm Shahelian. Do you remember all that? Yes. <laughs> Such a great movie. But you would know that. So, <laughs> but clearly, I can't pick the cup in front of me because you would know that I knew that anyway. So if someone were to see Jesus in his heavenly form, in person, bro, how could you not believe? And I think that's what happened to Paul. He just saw this heavenly thing and he was like, whoa, okay. When he recognized it from his Old Testament Jesus, knowledge. Yeah, probably. probably. And said, oh, uh, because uh, I've heard it taught that when Jesus said, I am, that was the moment that Paul was like, oh, Yahweh. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, anyway. I know you now. Yeah. Well, that's it for me, homie. Yeah. That's good, good stuff. Yeah. I love Genesis. It is probably. Yeah, I like their drum solos, too. <laughs> it's probably my favorite <laughs> book in the Bible. Man, I'm all about some 80s throwbacks today. <laughs> Your favorite book in the Bible? I think so. Really? If you're watching this on YouTube, comment with your favorite book in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, let me know. LMK, yeah. IRL. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Genesis, and then maybe Romans, and then Galatians, and then maybe Exodus. Man, I do love Exodus. We should do that next. The story oh, of man. Joseph and the Israelite. Oh my gosh, it's so good, bro. My friend Steve just sent me a video that we'll have to watch after we're done. All right. I don't want to discuss it now, but okay. <laughs> it's from Conti Hen. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Costi Hen, not Conti. That's Benny Hen's like son-in-law. Son, nephew. 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 Sorry. I got the full explanation. 
Cool, cool. All right, bro. Sounds good. You want to pray us out? Sure, man. Me or you? Go ahead. Okay. Lord, uh, what are you doing <laughs> with us? Like, to even give us access to you, it's it must make you so happy because that's how you wanted it all along. No wonder you're, there's no condemnation. No wonder there's no shame and guilt. It's like you're probably just so ecstatic that your children have found you. Mm. Just through their own, through their own will, through their own decision, we've chosen you. And that must make it even more sweeter to know that we see your glory once again, like we should have from the very beginning. So thank you for giving us so much chance and so much mercy and grace, God. Um, we love you. I pray, Lord, that this message would somehow, some way impact people like it's impacted me. It just shows us Amen. who you are and where to get back to. That us get back to the garden, man. Like, help us, Lord. Help us to to get back to that simple reliance on you, yeah. on your words. No worry, no stress, no fear, no anxiety. Just this wonderful relationship, knowing that you've got us. You've got us, and uh, you're you're our Father, and we love you. We ask all these things in the Son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.